All right, greetings everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today for worship through our online campus. Thank you for allowing me the privilege of once again coming into your home or wherever it is you might be right now uh, to share some truth with you from uh, the Word of God. If you got a Bible with you, I want you to grab it and go ahead and just turn to the book of Psalms. Find Psalm 13 and just hold that ready for a few minutes. And I want to begin by being completely honest and transparent with you today and telling you that originally I planned to preach a message about repentance this weekend. I wanted to talk about the importance of taking responsibility for our spiritual lives. I wanted to talk about the gracious character of God. And I want to talk about the hope that comes from the forgiveness of God, the forgiveness that he offers so freely. But the truth is, honestly, I've just been dealing with a deep level of uh, sadness and disappointment over the past week. Last Sunday morning, I found out before church that a man who was like a spiritual father to me, a man who'd had a tremendous impact on my life, or excuse me, influence on my life over the past 40 years, had lost his battle with cancer and died. Someone who first made an impact on me when I was in college and then continued to stay in touch with me and love me and support me and encourage me over the past 40 plus years that I've been serving in the local church. And the truth is, while I've had a really busy schedule this past week, uh, I just couldn't shake that feeling of sadness. And I just couldn't shake that feeling of disappointment at his passing. I actually talked about him briefly at our Monday night men's Bible study. I'm doing a men's Bible study right now on Monday nights for men who are 50 and over from 2 Timothy called Finish Strong. And I Uh, The theme of uh, chapter 3 of 2 Timothy is really influence, and I talked about him, and I thought that might help, but it really didn't. So when it came time to sit down and write this message for this weekend, I I just wasn't able to focus on a sermon on repentance. I'm not a grinder when it comes to writing sermons. I did an internship at a church in Houston when I was in college, and uh, one day, and I appreciated this, the, the senior pastor of that church sat down with me and talked to me about his weekly schedule. He was kind of giving me some insight into what a work week looked like for somebody who was leading a church. And in his schedule, he wrote his sermon on Thursday. And that means he didn't begin the sermon until Thursday, and he didn't go home on Thursday until the sermon was finished. Uh, but that's never, ever been my preferred way to write a sermon, to write a message, I like to think about it. I like to pray about it. I like to live with it. I like to feel it over a period of time. But this past week, I just couldn't make any progress on a message about repentance. And so, because I know everyone who will be listening to me this weekend knows, at least on some level, what it's like to go through times when you are feeling sadness and disappointment, I decided I would just preach about the way that I feel and That's why we've got our Bibles open to Psalm 13. So before we do anything else, I'm going to read this brief psalm, and then I'm going to say a brief prayer, and we'll continue. Uh, Follow along as I read. Psalm 13 was written by David, and he writes and says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer me. O Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. 
And then this is the last two verses of the psalm. He says, But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. And I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. I want you to pray with me for just a moment. Father, I thank you for the chance to be here with all these folks who are joining us for worship through the online campus today. Uh, I, I just wanted to pause before we go any further and just pray that you would guide and direct uh, the rest of my words and that they would be words that you would use to speak to all of our hearts, but especially to the hearts of those who know what it's like to struggle in this world with sadness and disappointment. And so we trust these words to you and your wisdom, your mercy, and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sure many of you remember the story of how on June the 17th, 2015, a man named Dylan Roof <clears throat> entered the Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina, and killed nine people who had gathered there for a Bible study. Those nine people included the church's senior pastor and a state senator. On the first Sunday following that shooting, a man named Norvell Goff, the Reverend Norvell Goff, who was asked to be the interim pastor of the church, stood up and said this in his message. We ask questions, Lord. We ask why. We can't help it. It's our human nature. But through it all, those of us who know Jesus, as we find ourselves engulfed in sadness and darkness, and as we find ourselves walking through the valley of the shadow of death, for those of us who know Jesus, we can look through the windows of our faith and see hope, and we see light, and we hear your voice saying, I am with you. Now, I got to tell you that I love those words. I do. I love them. But I also know that sometimes the windows of our faith and hope can seem a little dim. And that's not an indictment on or a criticism of God. That's just the reality of trying to live a life of faith in a sinful and broken world that can often be filled with sadness and disappointment. And one of the things I love the most about God is He allows us to be honest about that. And He allows us to say things like, sometimes the windows of our faith and hope can seem a little dim. I honestly don't have any fear or hesitation in saying that today because that's the truth about how I feel. This past week, that's been the reality of my life. The windows of my faith and hope have seemed dim. In his book, Disappointment with God, Philip Yancey draws an interesting contrast between the Old and the New Testaments. He writes, from the Old Testament, we can gain much insight into what it feels like to be God. But the New Testament records what happens when God learned what it feels like to be a human being. Now, honestly, friends, Yancey doesn't elaborate on what he means by from the Old Testament we can gain much insight <clears throat> excuse me, into what it feels like to be God. My assumption, and that's all it is, is that he's talking about the truth that in the Old Testament we do see the emotions of God related to man. In the Old Testament, we see God as creator and sustainer of all things. We see his holiness. We see him as the one who is laying out and directing his plan for humankind. We see his love and we see his grace and we see his compassion. But in the Old Testament, we also see his burden. We see the burden of God, the burden he feels at times with man. We see his disappointment. We see his anger and we see his wrath. 
I, I sometimes write notes in the empty pages in the back of my Bible, and some time ago, I don't remember when, and I don't remember where I was or what happened that made me do it, but at some point in the past, I wrote this note in the back of my Bible. In the Old Testament, we see how God feels about sin. In the New Testament, we see how God feels about sinners. If I ever meet Philip Yancey, I'll ask him for some clarification on that statement about the Old Testament and God, and then I'll get back to you. But when Yancey says in the New Testament, God gets insight in what it feels like to be human, to be a human being, I know exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about what happened as the result of the incarnation, which is the word we use to describe the miracle of God becoming man in the person of Jesus. That's made even more clear when we consider the words of Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Listen to them as I read. For we do not have a high priest, that's a reference to Jesus who was God in human flesh. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, one of the things that passage teaches us is that because of the earthly experience of Jesus, again, who was God in human flesh, we can know, listen to this, we can know that whatever we feel, God has felt. Think about that with me for a minute. Because of the earthly experience of Jesus, who was God in human flesh, we can know that whatever we feel, God has felt. And that's a good thing because as Yancey goes on to write, we want a God who not only knows about pain, but shares in it. We want a God who is affected by our own pain. And friends, that's the kind of God we have. The German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and I've talked a lot about him over the years, while experiencing the horrors of a Nazi prison camp, once scribbled these words on a note while he was in the prison camp, only the suffering God can help. He wrote that in the middle of his suffering, that only the suffering God can help. And that's the God we have because of Jesus. That's what the Hebrew writer is telling us in that passage I read. When he wrote that God is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, he was telling us that God feels what we feel. The word sympathy comes from two Greek words, the word sim, which means together, and the word pathos, which means suffering. And so sympathy literally means to suffer together or to suffer with. God doesn't just see us suffer. He suffers with us. And then Yancey goes on to ask this question. Would it be too much to say that because of Jesus, God understands our feelings of disappointment with God? Would it be too much to say that because of Jesus, God understands our feelings of disappointment, even our feelings of disappointment with him? That seems like a strange question, but I believe it's true. I mean, think about it. When Jesus was suffering on the cross, he expressed 
the reality of his physical, emotional, and spiritual pain by crying out in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, who was the one and only unique God-man, expressed his anguish and pain to God the Father at a moment when the window of his faith and hope seemed a little dim. I can't speak for you, but the honest reality of this truth does two things for me. First, it gives me comfort. Because of Jesus, God, who is the sovereign creator and sustainer of the universe, knows how it feels to be a human being like you and me. That means he knows how it feels to be overwhelmed at times with sadness and overwhelmed at times with disappointment. He knows the pain of loss because he knows firsthand the pain of living in a sinful and a broken world. Second, it gives me courage. It gives me the courage to share a message like this where I can just tell you honestly and openly that for the past several days, the windows of my faith and hope have seemed a little dim. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't love or trust God because I do. That doesn't mean my relationship with God is in jeopardy because it's not. It just means I understand the truth that God has given us the freedom to be honest about how we feel, which is the first step to recovery and growth. And that's really what takes us to Psalm 13. I want to, it's such a brief passage, I want to read it again. Listen, just six verses. David says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer me. O Lord, my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. And then this shift. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. And I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. You know what you see in that psalm? In those six verses... You see David moving from a place of despair. Let me say it like this. You see David moving from a place where the window of his faith and hope seemed a little dim to a place of hope, real genuine hope, in a matter of six verses. Six verses. And so the question is, how was he able to do that? Well, I'm going to answer that question with three simple statements. If you write anything down from this message, you might want to write these three things down. Number one, he was honest. And that's so important to understand because there is no healing or growth in the Christian life apart from honesty. There is no healing or growth in your Christian life or my Christian life apart from honesty. I love this quote from Rick Warren. He says, revealing is the beginning of healing. Revealing is the beginning of healing. Now that has an application <clears throat> to a lot of areas of our lives, <clears throat> excuse me, including our spiritual lives. You'll never experience any kind of spiritual healing apart from complete total and total honesty about what's going on with you. And David knew that. That's why he wrote Psalm 13 and other Psalms like it where he was completely honest about his feelings. He didn't hold anything back with God. I think that's because David had learned 
through the course of his life that the best way to overcome the difficult moments of life is to express your feelings and your faith at the same time. And that's certainly what we see him doing in in Psalm 13. In the first four verses, he expresses his feelings. In the last two verses, he expresses his faith. So I want you to really listen to me close. Don't think you've got to hide your feelings, whatever they might be, whether they be sad, sadness or disappointment or whatever they might be. Don't think you have to hide your feelings from God. There's nothing that you can say to God that he hasn't already heard. And since God is omniscient, which means he knows all things, there's nothing you can say to God that he doesn't already know. He knows how you feel. I don't know what your experience is, but I can tell you that when I pray honest prayers that express the reality of my sadness or my disappointment or my despair, those prayers always lead me to words of faith and words of hope. That's just the way it works for me. And I would be surprised if it wasn't the same way for you. Here's the second statement. This is what we see about David. In Psalm 13, he trusted in what he knew was true, not how he felt. He trusted in what he knew was true, not how he felt. When you look back at Psalm 13, the first four verses seem really bad. That's where David expresses his feelings. But the psalm didn't end after verse 4. Because in verses 5 and 6, he went on to express his faith. He went on to say, But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. And then he added the words, I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. If you want to experience lifelong spiritual growth, and you've got to make the decision at some point in your life, you've got to make the decision to trust in what you know to be eternally true about God, not how you feel in the moment. Can I be honest and tell you that I get so frustrated at times with people who want to walk away their faith whenever any kind of trouble or difficulty or hardship comes into their lives. The Bible never tells us that life won't be difficult. In fact, it tells us just the opposite. It tells us in multiple places that it will be difficult. But it also tells us no matter how difficult life will be, God will never leave us or abandon us, that God's grace will be sufficient to sustain us, and that God can somehow take the difficulty of life in whatever form it, come, whatever form it comes, God can take the difficulty of life and ultimately use it somehow for our good and His glory. So don't let your spiritual life be dominated by how you feel in the moment. Be stronger than that by continuing to trust in what you know to be eternally true about God, no matter what's happening around you. Here's the third statement. This is what we see about David in Psalm 13. He chose to praise God. Psalm 13 ends with these words, I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. I mean, it begins with this, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? But it ends with, I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Listen, I I, I don't believe David wrote those words, I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me, because somehow all of a sudden, like magic in the moment, he experienced some kind of emotional turnaround. I believe he wrote those words because he understood that praise, that praising God is an act of faith, not an act of feeling. He's saying, I'm going to sing to the Lord 
regardless of how I feel. Now, someone might hear me say that and say, Pastor, isn't it hypocritical to sing praise to God when you don't feel close to Him? And you know what my answer to that would be? It would be this. It's not being hypocritical. It's choosing to be holy. It's choosing to be obedient. It's choosing to be faithful. It's choosing to trust God, even in the difficult moment. And so, I don't have any dramatic conclusion to the message today. Having shared the reality of what I've been going through and what I think is the biblical answer, I just want to close our service by doing exactly what David said he would do, and that's sing to the Lord because I want all of us to acknowledge together, and I'm going to put myself at the top of the list, no matter how I might feel about the reality of life in this sinful, fallen, and broken world, at the end of the day, I know that God is good. And he's been so very good to me. There's going to be difficult moments in life for all of us, but we are never going to be alone in those moments. The grace of God will sustain us in those moments, and we can trust God to use those moments somehow for our good and his glory. We can count on what we know to be eternally true about God. He can be trusted. And so I'm going to pray. And then our team is going to come. And we're going to sing to the Lord and acknowledge that he has been so good to all of us. Father in heaven, thank you for this time to share from your word. And I pray that the things that that I have shared will be taken by your spirit and applied to the hearts and lives of people who are listening, all the people who are listening, but especially to those who know what it's like to go through moments of life, even seasons of life, where the window of your faith and your hope seem a little dim. Help us to always keep our focus on what we know to be eternally true about you and help us always to be willing to sing praise to your name. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.